Welcome to Playback by Playlister, the bi-weekly podcast where you can stay current on technology and leadership ideas that impact you. Here's today's host and Playlister CEO, Grant Glass. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. On today's episode, we have Aaron Westerman with Crosspoint Church. Crosspoint Church was founded in 2002. Uh, it was founded with a small group of people that actually met in the elementary school in Bellevue, Tennessee. By 2013, the church was named one of America's fastest-growing churches, and today it serves almost 7,500 people every Sunday at locations throughout the Nashville area. Uh, Aaron, uh, who's joining us today, has been on the team since 2009 as the director of IT specializing in networks, database, Google Apps, Mac OS, iOS, all things Apple, system admins, tech, and the general direction of technology decisions. We're really excited and lucky to have Aaron on the podcast. I think he's going to share a lot of great insights. Aaron, welcome. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, I'm surprised you're excited, but happy to be here anyways. <laughs> I love it. And just so the audience know, uh, Aaron and I have had a, several conversations before this, so the banter might get a little uh, out of control, perhaps. But uh, Aaron, yeah. I, I went through the rundown of Crosspoint Church uh, and is very broad strokes. Could you maybe perhaps tell us a little bit more about your organization? Yeah, for for the best that for the best I can, we're we're five sites now. Uh, when I first came on, it was about the time we started being a multi-site organization. So it was it was kind of a buzzword back then, and I don't know when we first got into it if we knew completely what we were doing, but it it it's worked well. We've tried to concentrate still in, in the Middle Tennessee area. So all of our sites are within driving distance, uh, and we've been able to keep like IT overhead really low for that reason. It was probably two years ago uh, we were able to hire a second person to the, to the IT team, and up until then, so f- for eight years, they've been flying solo. Uh, wow. But the, the organization overall, like, we're very creatively driven. Uh, like, the, the stuff that comes out goes through a, a pretty pretty intense process by our teams here. And mm-hmm. it's it's been our job just to kind of support those, back them up. And sometimes when crazy ideas come out and they say, how can we do this, we, we try to make that a, a reality without having to say no too many times. Yeah, and having and that much responsibility for that long as the guy when it came to anything technical, uh, it sounds like it was a good thing that everything was within driving driving distance. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm curious to know, and we'll, we'll bookmark that. I want to come back to it. But tell me a little yeah, bit about your background. So uh, it, you, you said I've been at Crosspoint for about 10 years. I actually went to church here before that and worked, uh, did some volunteer work here, just in like our media department, stuff like that. I've been doing IT as a professional job, not like a side job for about 15 years. 
And before that, I actually went to school to be a civil engineer, which has pretty much nothing to do with, with what I do now. So it, it's fun to have that degree hanging on the wall and people just kind of scratching their heads. But <laughs> it, it, at the same time, that's that's where I come from. I mean, I've always been technical and just enjoyed those things. Um, but, you know, it's, it's never where I had initially saw myself <laughs> heading yeah. as far as that goes. Well, and I can relate to that. A lot of people that I talk to on this podcast, very similar. I, I find a lot of IT directors come from a, a musical background, uh, mm. a lot of production directors too, uh, which is maybe a little less surprising. I mean, me, myself, I come from a uh, arts background and I'm, you know, kind of running a company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> trying to, learning every day, right? And that's the fun no, part is you get to learn every day. Um, yeah. Now I want to go back a little bit, Aaron, because you have been with Crosspoint for ten years, and you you opened new locations. Uh, thank God, gosh, they were all in driving distance from each other. Because it sounded like you might have went a little crazy over your course of time with with Crosspoint. Kind of walk me through uh, what were your your biggest biggest challenges like the last 10 years, maybe in opening up new locations, or was it really getting new locations on the same page, or, or was it getting staff the technology they need? Like, where, where, what areas did you really focus on and felt like was a big challenge, but you ended up overcoming, and how did you do that? Um, I mean, there's so many different, different challenges that we've seen over that time. When we started doing multi-site, we... We were kind of heavy into the the mobile model of you know mm. set up and tear down do that and so it's really hard to build an infrastructure at that point something that you can you can rely on and we we've had so many different situations during that time you know we've we've had schools and locations that we worked with that kind of gave us you know like a back door to their fiber connection and we could we could do whatever we wanted within reason. Uh, we've we've had schools that made us bring in our own connections. We've had schools that wouldn't let us do anything, and so we had to deal with with mobile. Uh, mm. Since then, we've kind of migrated away uh, fr- from that that mobile model, you know. And I, I hope it kind of stays that way now because I feel like we have so much infrastructure in place between uh, the things that we deal with for, for various ministries and the things that are like our creative team does. I mean, we're, we, we have tracks for, uh, for musicians that can't show up, you know, like if somebody calls out last minute, Oh, we'll just turn the keyboard track on. And I mean, it, I don't want to make that seem uh, unpersonal in any ways, but just to say we have, we, there's so much infrastructure that, that has to be built in and exist. There's things that, yes, we can download the day of, but we try to put in redundancies. That way it's it's downloading the day before. Um, one of the what, – when when I was working by myself, probably the biggest thing that we – that I faced was I'd come from a world where everything was on-site. And I guess this is just like when, when software as a service was getting – was getting pretty big, or, or maybe it was the other big buzzword that, that was happening right then. And so we, man, I worked so hard to push everything I could to the cloud. And mm. ten years ago, when I would walk into like a like a church IT meeting, and we'd talk about using things like Dropbox 
or we'd talk about using something like Google Apps instead of on-premise office, uh, I mean on-premise uh, exchange. I just get kind of looked at like we were crazy. But it, it's something, th those services, you know, you, you hate paying. Uh, I'm cheap. I've always been cheap. I'll be cheap when I die, I'm sure, too. But when you when you when you're looking at that and looking at your your ministry dollars, like you hate paying a monthly service and and kind of seeing those add up, but at the same time, you also hate having to um you know we have to we have to put this piece in place we have to wear these technicians out we have to get extra volunteer positions with this to get extra paid positions so there's a cost mm -hmm. no matter which way you go yeah um, mm -hmm. but finding which services are going to be perfect for you and really uh eliminate a ton of work i mean those are the ones that we that we migrated to heavily so like getting rid of our file server and, and going to something like dropbox that way not only do that that i not have to manage backups and things but now i'm having now i don't have to provide vpn access to everybody in order to <laughs> dial in and work remotely things like that so yeah. whatever we could do to eliminate that uh was was really good and because i mean once you start looking at uh staff costs for example you know we, it, just changing out backups over all your different pieces sometimes and making sure services are up and running. I mean, there, there's a there's a huge cost. There's a cost of backups, the cost of the availability of the backups and the service itself. You have staffing costs. You have the cost of coffee for the, for the staff person. And then you have the cost of the staff person feeling, uh, like spilling the coffee on the technology and you have to restore the backups. So, <laughs> like, there, there's just so much there, you know, that you're not considering. Uh, uh -huh. but, but what are we going to do there uh, to to make us run on a Sunday uh, is has been such such a huge deal, and and that's been probably the biggest challenge to to overcome is finding those perfect services for for us and making sure it all fits in in a cost effective way. Yeah, finding the perfect service. I, and by the way, I'd be the guy spilling the coffee. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Aaron, uh, we got a problem over here at this campus. That's it. That's it. And, and, and coffee availability is such a big problem nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I've got my two grande uh, Starbucks uh, dark medium roast coming in. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm interested. Let's pull this thread a little bit about cloud services. It seems like it gives you more agility, and it almost – in the early days, because I've heard this mobile mobile church uh, as a reoccurring theme is almost like the minimal viable product of a church. So if you wanted to like actually test to see if you could connect with a neighborhood, you would actually set up a minimal viable product, which is sort of like a mobile church. And yeah. there's a lot of challenges that I just heard you talk about. Like, well, to have a a great experience, it kind of requires infrastructure, which a mobile church can't have. But it sounds like that mindset allowed you to become more efficient and agile. And one of one of the results of that was, oh, we've just got to push everything to the cloud. Uh, and yeah. as you push things to the cloud, like Dropbox um, and, and other elements of your business, or well, well, it's almost like a business, right? Because I always have this analogy that a startup is very much like a church. 
because you're trying to, to scale and connect with an audience. Those are two very similar aspects to a startup and a church. So sometimes I, I swap those out, and I really think, Aaron, you'd be a perfect startup founder if <laughs> you wanted the yeah. to move. <laughs> yeah. but, you're trying you. to do so much with so little resources, and you actually are able to achieve that. And I want to I want to talk more about that. It's finding the perfect services, finding the right things. Like today, what challenges are you seeing with your technology today as we speak? Um, you know, we do have. Let me talk about software as a service just for for a second there specifically because there there's some awesome solutions and they do remove a lot of headaches they also create a couple of new headaches but i think there's i think they're more manageable um you know when i when i think about a service we're going to put in uh any software as a service like not only do i want a redundancy but i want to i want a backup uh so like if this service fails do we still have somewhere to get what we need uh we yeah. do you know when we when we look at non-mobile sites I have two, like we have to do two, inter- two internet connections of some kind at, at every location. And the second internet connection has to be enough to where I can do like a bare minimum thing. Uh, like I have to stream, that's it. I have to be able to pull up forms, you know, simple stuff to say, let somebody know that they're new here, they want to volunteer, things like that. So things that I can pull off that, like kids media. Uh, you know, we got away from DVDs a while back and, and, and had, uh, you, you know, we, we were happy to do that, but then you, you, you're moving to something like an Apple TV and getting your kids' content on there. And so you, you want to make sure that it's, it's available if something goes down or I'm not going to have to bog my mm-hmm. connection. I remember early on mm-hmm. in days, you know, I'd forget to set up a rule, and all of a sudden I find somebody's watching Netflix on a, on a staff device right when we're trying to download and the stream stalling. And so, you know, oh, God. monitor those things. It's just, you know, the crazy things that you're like, why in the world is this a problem in the first place? Um, yeah. You know, so, some of those are crazy. If I think, though, really about one of the biggest problems we face daily, um, I think it has to do with how we use data analytics. And, like, can't we actually use them more effectively? Uh, and I'm not talking about just, you know, like a simple thing like, hey, we had 3,000 people watch our service from Tennessee this week. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think the more you can dig into on-site data related to website data, like anywhere you can pull it, uh, you know, it's one thing. It's one thing to have data, but are you asking the right questions? You know, are yeah. are we sure that we have this? And then, what are the questions we haven't thought about too? Uh, and I think a lot of churches are scared of of asking some of those questions because they don't want to come off like a like a Facebook privacy scandal. Um, you know, they don't, they don't right. want to be like the, yeah, creep, that's right. the, the creepy service, but at the same time, you know, they're still – think about Facebook for a second. So people are so worried about it. People are still giving them their data and look at the pictures of their friends. And, I mean, the, the data is there. I don't want to go to that extreme, but that's just a great example of I don't think we in the church world need to be afraid of 
mining as much of that data as we can to see how we can help um, our, our church, to see how we can help like yes. with, with teaching or with events that we offer or ministries or just new avenues that we haven't that we hadn't even thought about using. I feel like the yep. data is there if we're looking at it correctly. Let's keep talking about that data because I'm not right there with you. I actually had a few conversations about this. I believe that data improves the experience of yeah. when you come to visit. I really do. <clears throat> yeah. And, and I'm I'm personally I'm happy to give up my data if it improves the quality of my experience. It's kinda like walking around Disney World. So now at Disney World you can get an armband where you can pay for anything. And plus if you walk up to certain characters, those characters already know your name. So sure. the kids it's like magical. It's magic yeah. when you walk up and Cinderella knows your daughter's name. And it creates yeah. like a, an experience they remember forever. And if you're like, Grant, are you concerned about giving up your data for that? I'd be like, no. Are you kidding me? I'd happily give up that data. And I think if you get in that mindset, you're like, wow, what could we do inside these walls where if we ask the right questions, and get the right data, it can make so, for so much of a positive experience. So if we frame it like that and we're in a safe space to have this conversation saying, hey, data, if we release it and we track it, it's going to incre- increase the experience. I'm curious, Aaron, what kind of things would you like to maybe track or see and how would you utilize that data? When, when I first took over looking at database here at Crosspoint, I was mm-hmm. so shocked by like how bad our data was. Uh, mm. The only the only things that we kept track of really well were kids' attendance and giving. Giving because yeah. you kind of have to by law, you know. You, you people yep. need their giving a statement, and you don't want to get in trouble with the IRS, especially as a as a five hundred one c three. So, mm-hmm. like that's going to be good. But you know, how often are we updating things? And then when people come to. Um, when when ministry leaders come into our offices and, and ask us, hey, we, we want to know this question, it, it was so frustrating to have to tell them, we just don't have the data to tell you. And I can't tell you how many times mm. here lately since since changing some of those things, I've been able to walk around and and hear conversations where somebody is is saying something like, well, our our parents uh, or people with kids attend X amount of times a week. And I can easily now say, okay, hold on a second. I want you to prove that, or I want you to tell me yeah. where you got that number. Well, it's just industry yeah. average. I don't care about industry average. That's useful in some ways, but we're talking about our church. We're talking about our campuses. Yeah. What, what do our numbers look like? So, you know, mm-hmm. like asking asking basic things, it's, it's easy now to ask somebody for a name and, and one of two forms of contact. But for some people, it's so difficult to ask for things like uh, things like gender, things like age, um, and then getting a, a home address at some point, or you know, at least a zip code. But finding out where somebody's where somebody's from. I mean, there yeah. there are so many things that you, so many basics that you can start to collect um, that that give you a great look at your congregation. But then diving in a little bit more to say, okay, like, you know, we, we have Grant here, and it looks like Grant's done these kind of serving projects. He signed up for these kind of serving projects, and it looks like he's mm-hmm. been in these kind of small groups. Uh, let's look at people like Grant now that we have this information, and 
Love it. And, and, and I hate to say, uh, I hate to say, you know, I'm look. I, I hate to look for a result. I more like to look at the data and see what it can see what it can tell me that I'm missing. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like there's tons of those opportunities if you just get people around the table, uh, look and, and, and really dig deep and, and say what are we missing. I mean, we we use the data in such basic ways of like if we're looking at launching a campus, we look at look at you know where people are situated or where mm. where small groups are, things like that. But I just feel like there there's still so much more um, that that we can we can do today, and a lot of that you get through you know you get through website interaction you get through like when people come on site um or people are using like a church app we've like we've yet to launch a, a church app because i don't want it to be a thing that we just kind of say hey you can watch our watch our messages well they can go to youtube and watch our messages i need something more to that mm-hmm. if i'm going to ask you for something of value your data i want to offer something of, of extreme value uh something that says like like i have five kids man uh and so mm-hmm. not only do i not sleep a lot and that's why i think about these things but <laughs> like uh, i, I, I want to know as a parent when my child leaves the uh like leaves the sunday experience i kind of want to know what they did and i want to know if there's something that we follow up over the week um because if if i ask my kids it may end up like, well, what did you talk about at church today? Well, Jesus rode a blue donkey and beat somebody up. No, I don't think that's in the Bible. I'm really kind of curious what you're talking about now. Uh, but, right. so, like, it's fun to have those conversations with your kids. But at the same time, like, I as a parent want to know that I'm – like, I want to work together with the church. And I know there's more than just parenting mm-hmm. opportunities to, to do that. Uh, if, if my pastor is challenging us – to do something three times to, to do something three times this week, you know how can how can we as a church just not, or how can we as a church provide opportunities to uh, to you to do that? Is it, is it text messages, an app notification, um, is it is it email reminders? You know what is that? And then even more so, what can we tell from that data? Like everything you select and do gives us more opportunity to learn how we can improve and how we can help you improve your your walk with Christ and your relationship. Yeah, that capitalizing on that opportunity, I I, I often think it, it's sort of like engineered serendipity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you go to church, you just meet the right person at the, the right time that really helps you, or, or you hear the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and simply what I believe this data and utilizing this data is doing is creating more of those moments. So mm-hmm. it's less serendipitous and more engineered serendipity where it's purposeful. You have this information, use it. You can make people have such a more positive experience. Yeah, I can get carried away with this, but I, I do think you're right because I, we were at the IT roundtable here in Indianapolis uh, last month, and this topic came up a lot. And it seemed like the technical directors at all of these churches understood that there is untapped data that can be used in so many impactful ways if we just start asking the right questions. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And I, we could, quite frankly, talk about, I think, 
Absolutely. That topic yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, given this, we're trying to keep it into the 30-minute uh, mark for the episode. I'll switch gears here. Uh, and I always like talking about this with IT directors. In the next few years, how do you see your organization or other similar organizations evolving? I think I think that goes back to data in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think not only do we have to find a better way to to like use the data that we're given and use the permissions that we're given there. Uh, I think we have to find a way to make. I think we have to find a way to make church very practical on on a, on a day to day basis. Like we're uh, hmm. Crosspoint isn't like I came from a Baptist background, so when we were back, when 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 I went to church as a, as a kid, we did Sunday morning, Sunday night was a different service, Wednesday night was a different service, and so for Crosspoint, we're we're several several of the same services on Sunday that we try to match at every campus so it's a similar experience. Uh, and Wednesday night would be more like a student night. Um, so the challenge for uh, a church like Crosspoint, and I think, I think a lot of churches, is through that week finding the ways to make, make the gospel and make your message practical and usable throughout that entire week. That's a lot of where that, that mm. data really comes in. And, and how we have mm -hmm. to, to work to do that, um, and you know, n never never failing to focus on 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 Christ and on our mission, because I mean, and that that's it. It's easy to get caught up in those things, but how can you bring people back to God's presence? You know, on a Thursday before they're going to bed and they're just too tired to think about it. You know, mm -hmm. there, there there are ways for us to do that, and I, I think we've got to move. You know, you really have to move towards that model. Everybody wants the people to walk through the door, but I, I think there are tons of opportunities to encourage that relationship without having to without having to have them come in the door. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> the I always think it's interesting. Like, um, how can you connect with your congregation? or even folks that are new, right, uh, in a way that communicates your message, which is always fascinating to me. Old, oldest message in time communicated with state-of-the-art technology. It's a weird, you're at a crossroads. It's like a juxtaposition of oldest yeah. message, newest way to communicate it. And the way in which you do that, I have a, I, I have a hypothesis that is, it tends to be overthought uh, where, and there's a lot of pitfalls that we've already touched on, like data, not using it because it seems creepy. Well, you got to think of it in different contexts. It's all about perspective. And, yep. and I like how you said it's just like opening up to the fact that if we use this data for good, here's all the positive things that could come from it. And that's how you kind of see the church experience evolving. And then plus you've got Generation Z, right? Anybody born mm. after 1996 is, and your kids fall into that category, I'm assuming I've got two kids too. There's a certain expectation level of how technology comes into play then. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, my, my, my five-year-old daughter knows how to unlock my iPhone. Uh, 
<laughs> and I, I don't, I've, you know, I haven't even told her the code. And I don't think that she's gotten into my face ID, but it's entirely possible. But they're just they're they're native with it, you know. She's she's uh, sat down one of my video game emulators and probably playing Mario Brothers better than I've ever played it. And th- th- there is that, but it's just things that we've never even thought of with those generations. And we can't we can't. It's so easy to quit asking the questions. Uh, quit asking the right questions at, at some point. I was told by my student ministers the other day because uh, I was curious why I didn't see a lot of guest network guest network activity on Wednesday nights. I was curious why they didn't. I said, do, you, do a lot of your kids, a lot of your teenagers, like have uh, cell phone service? Like, no, almost no them do. They have to, you know, jump online first. I'm like, well, why don't I see a lot of kids on it? And it's like, because it's called guest. I, I don't understand that like what do you mean because it's called guest yeah if it was called like super secure like staff network they'd want on it and they all ask me for the password but nobody wants to get on the free one that's offered so it's just like a change in in mindset like me i used to always look for free wi-fi but i would have never thought to ask that question you know do i need the name if 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 i want to, to know a little bit more about what our students are doing you know, do I need to just change a Wi-Fi network at night so that way it has a different name? I mean, silly things like that that might increase yeah. usability um, that are just brought to us. And so for us, connecting with our teams, like all aspects of our teams, not just the higher-ups, but like go and talk to the volunteers in your ministry. Go and talk to, you know, the, the leaders that maybe don't get to say as much and, and just see what kind of nuggets of wisdom that they can give you. I mean, because it's all, it's all data. And I think there's something good you can do with it, and there's probably stuff that you've never even thought of that's going to give you even better insights. Yeah, I love that that question you mentioned and got the answer of just changing the network. I mean, that's what I would have never expected that answer. And then it's oh, like, I, oh, and then you, <laughs> that kind of makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's great. That's great. I love that you also have the – conversation in the first place with your children's team. I think the lines of communication there where you are comfortable enough to, it seems like, ask probing questions and get um, honest answers back to make for a better experience, that's that's really great. I think that's probably the keys to your guys' success. Uh, yeah. okay. I'm sure it was somebody so else's idea that's much smarter than me, but that's fine. <laughs> well, and Steve, so I, I'm also always trying to learn, and that's why I'm a huge bookworm. So I ask everybody that comes onto the podcast for a book recommendation. So is there something, Aaron, that you find yourself recommending to people, something you always go back to, or is there a, you know, a solid read that you, you maybe uh, breezed through in the last year? What, what do you got for me that I can add to the reading list? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't get a ton of time to sit down and read anymore. Uh, I used Especially to have five like, kids. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. But but uh, I I drive quite a distance to work sometimes, so like I love me some Audible. Uh, and oh, yeah. like the books, the books that come to mind are uh, probably things that I, I've read currently, or you know. Uh, I think currently I'm going. I try not to go through more than two books at a time on Audible. Just maybe jump back and forth if I get bored. But I'm currently reading through something called I think it's Voice Lessons for Parents by a lady called Wendy Mogul. Uh, and if you like, if you have kids, I, I cannot recommend reading that book enough. 
if you deal with kids, I can't recommend reading that book enough because I've found myself like looking at that and saying, wow, we may have done that right. Uh, or kicking myself saying I should have done that. That was a good one. Mm. Uh, thinking flat, uh, thinking fast and slow. Uh, by oh, um, love that book. Yep. Yeah, you see, you've read that one. And, and so, like, mm-hmm. I, I felt like when I was reading through it, it was a little dry, but it was stupid interesting. Uh, yeah. Just looking at social psychology and behavior economics, I really have enjoyed reading that one. But I tell you, I found myself recommending uh, a book called Never Split the Difference by a guy named Chris Ball. <laughs> I yeah, found myself recommending that to hostage negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a such a good book and it I was it was so unexpected that I even picked it up and read it. Um but there's so much wisdom in there, like not just about negotiation. I mean I, it, from his point of view I think everything's a negotiation. Um but you know like things that I never would have thought of like you shouldn't be afraid of conflict and so many people are afraid of conflict so like finding a way to get conflict out of the way with empathy right off the bat Mm -hmm. and how much conversation that actually opens up so that way you're getting the problems out of the way I mean there's such good good wisdom in that Uh, and I've probably recommended that book to 10 20 different staff people uh, over the past year because I just I just think it's a great read and there's stuff that you're going to pick up from it um, and then for some dumb reason I'm really anxious to start a book called what if <laughs> it's uh, I think the subtitle was seriously scientific answers to absurd hypothetical questions <laughs> uh, uh, I, just, I, needed amazing. I needed something funny every <laughs> now and then so yeah. yeah it's never bad to grab that knowledge but uh yeah, if, if, if any of those books I'd recommend checking out, or just pick up a Garfield book and read a comic. Well, those are great recommendations. Um, I got the Never Split the Difference, so I uh, I read it, I liked it, and it was so good because you, you touched on uh, everything in life's in a negotiation, and that's yeah. really Chris Voss, who's who is the author of the book. Uh, was the FBI's lead international kidnapping negotiator. And he gives some great tips for negotiating. Well, I read this book and quickly found that his tips worked really well when I was talking with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have done that in eight years. Then I was like, oh, man. I was like, should I tell my wife to read this book or not? <laughs> She's going to then totally know what I'm doing here. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there's part of it. There's, like, it's such a good book, but there's part of you that hates to recommend it to somebody because then maybe they might have the same knowledge. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. and, but I, I, I don't think that's a terrible thing, though. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. at some point, if everything's I'll, amazing, nothing is. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, the the one part I love in that book is the um, where he talks about you kind of got to stage it where you're like, uh, you kind of make them set it up where you're like, oh, you're going to hate this. I got a really bad idea. You're not going to like it. Yeah. And then once you stage it like that, it gets them in the frame of mind where you can go into the negotiation. And I, I have found that little tidbit helped immensely just in any negotiation that I'm happening. So I, as as you and you advocate yeah. for it, I advocate for it, I think that's the top one. Thinking fast, thinking slow. That was actually recommended. It's a New York Times bestseller. That was recommended to me by a neurosurgeon 
who is a, a customer of ours. Uh, and uh, that that's a fantastic book. I mean, and you, you're winning it for book recommendations. I'm going to put the links to all this in the show notes. I highly cool. recommend all of Aaron's suggestions. They're fantastic. I've read two of the four, and I put the other two, the the what if, and then given I have a top two toddlers voice lesson for parents, definitely going on with those two. So, Aaron, appreciate your time. Thank you for the recommendations, brother. And it's been a great yeah. conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, man. For more ideas or to simply learn more about today's podcast, visit us online at www.playlister.app forward slash podcast. Thank you.